0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea. Sit back. And... Right, it's Friday. I've missed you guys. It's been uh, let's see. I was on a little more than a week ago, and I took the time off to do to you know entertain family during my uh, daughter's wedding. Before and after. And it was an amazing wedding. I mean, I've been to many weddings in my life, and there's always, you know, those last minute things that happen. The things that did happen were so minor. I'm so little (laughs) that it really made for a wonderful day. The weather behaved. It was probably a little more warm than it needed to be. But um, for us here in the Northwest, October without rain. Yes. A day without rain was pretty awesome. And we had such a great time and the days have been just busy, busy and more busy. So I'm really glad I did take the time off, but I'm back today. And today it is the day, two days before the full moon. And I want to share mostly about that today, but we also have Pluto changing to forward motion this weekend as well. So that adds some power and some punch to the full moon, even though he's not necessarily directly involved with the full moon. But anytime a planet changes direction, of course, we know we're going to get some of that that backwash, if you will, or that that swaying feeling of things changing, Um, even though maybe you've never really noticed that it was because of that. But a lot of times when a planet changes direction, we feel it even if it's in our emotions or in our sleep, uh, or if we are in our in our relationships, and sometimes we are actually feeling it even in our day to day lives. And I can tell you, at the wedding, I was so glad that Mercury turned direct that morning, like midnight ish, um, West Coast time, because it made for a day that had fewer snafus. Right, so nothing really went wrong in the big way, but uh, before the wedding uh, the person that was going to marry them got COVID. So he couldn't come. And that meant my husband who is an ordained minister was able to marry his daughter. It was awesome. And he was so nervous. It was kind of cute because he was so nervous and practicing and practicing and practicing. Uh, and he did fine. It was absolutely wonderful. I, um, I was really proud of him for stepping up and stepping in to do that. And of course, it was his pleasure to do that as well. The bride and groom were uh, extraordinary. The whole wedding party was extraordinary. The guests, we had such fun with everybody there. Uh, the food was fabulous and uh, just wow, right? It was just a wow experience. And I was very happy with the way it turned out. There were no, you know, bridezilla moments, no, um, you know, wedding party jitters—nothing like that. Wyatt even behaved at the rehearsal on that Thursday night before the wedding. We had our doubts because little Wyatt, who was a ring bearer, um, was in a mood. Let's just say that he's a Pisces, right? So he got in a mood, and it wasn't a good mood. <laughs> and he—he he was like glued to his mom's side. He was not going to carry those rings. But the day of the wedding, he was in a good mood. And he uh, had had fun with the other ring bearers and he, he did fine. It was wonderful. So all of that is behind us now. They are in St. Lucia, uh, an island in the Southern Caribbean, and they are having a great time. Uh, even though there's a sort of tropical depression hanging around uh, off the coast of Venezuela, uh, moving though towards Central America. So they're they're safe, but they're having a lot of thunderstorms and things like that during the day. Uh yes, I behaved Tom, I did, I did. In fact, you guys know what? I danced from the time the music started until the time literally almost 9 30 that night. The music started probably see the wedding was at four. The music probably started around 4 5 o'clock after after the ceremony was over. And uh, it was amazing. And I got out of bed, I could hardly get out of bed. The next day, my muscles were so sore. But then again, you know, I was also up and down getting things for people. And so I was on my feet literally, from about 9am that morning, Mackenzie, my oldest granddaughter and I, we had to set up chairs for the ceremony while the other girls were getting all their hair done. And then um, we set up the tables in the reception hall and set up chairs in the reception hall. And then it was our turn to get our hair done. So that was really literally the only time I really got to relax was while I was getting my hair done. I didn't even get to sit down and eat. As I sat down to eat, somebody said, Oh, no, we need extra napkins. And oh, no, we're running out of this. We're running out of that. So I was up and running again, trying to find all the extras of everything. So it was a very busy time. And yet I did. Behave myself. I didn't drink very much. And uh what I did drink was literally just sips of champagne, right? I just didn't have time to, but it was a great time and beautiful and just amazing, an amazing experience from start to finish. It was awesome. But you know, as everything, you know, you're always so relieved when things go off without a hitch, and you're also relieved when it's done, but also a little sad, right, that the day is over. Um, but that's the way it goes, right? We live moment to moment. So thank you all for being here with me this morning. Let's just reach out and see who is here. I know Tom is here because I was chatting with him before and apparently it is Thanksgiving day in uh, Canada. So happy Thanksgiving to all of you Canadians. And I'm hoping Tom that you weren't sporting me that that was true. And if so, then happy Thanksgiving. And awesome. Tanya. Good morning to you. Christine Buckingham. Good morning. And Kathleen Mallory and Michelle Gay. Good. It's good to see you. And Kajella, Nice to see you. JLo. Hello. And Kajella says how sweet Corey. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. I think I already said that. And uh, Monique Alexander and Julie Kiss. It's great to see everyone out there this morning. So today, my intention is to really re- focus on this full moon because it seems to be, even though this isn't a full moon like some that we've had where there's Uranus and Saturn and they're close by and they're throwing, you know, their shade at, you know, the moon, <laughs> even though they're there, um, this this moon has a this full moon or this lunation period has a little bit of a different energy to it that I want to break down for everyone. Because first of all, Venus is playing a very... a a prominent role in this particular full moon, which means that anytime Venus is involved, of course, we have uh, a kind of a beneficial sort of energy, kind of something that's, you know, keeping down, dialing down maybe the energy of of some of the more uh, difficult aspects that are engaged. And, uh, you know, when I look at the pattern of, of what's happening during this period of time, I see both the potential for wounding as venus is sitting um opposing chiron also chiron conjunct the moon so we have venus opposing a chiron moon conjunction but then we also have the sun opposing the moon and chiron which means that the sun and venus are in a conjunction so we have some power across the libra aries axis and uh hopefully venus has enough of an influence to keep things running a little smoother, to keep things a little bit more peaceful uh, during this period of time. So here's kind of how I want to talk about the days. Uh, So today we have the moon in Pisces. We, We know Pisces, right? We've had a lot of conversations around Pisces. So I don't want to focus too much on the Pisces energy, but just know that today, the moon is in Pisces all day from top to bottom. And while the moon is in Pisces today, there is a sextile, a 60 degree relationship to Uranus, which means that they can understand one another, right? Taurus and Pisces can kind of understand one another. And that means that we might have some awakening aha moments that then, Uh, can you know change perhaps our course of action that can perhaps influence our spiritual selves or maybe spiritual ahas that then influence or impact our physical selves we also have the moon in a square to mars so there is some potential for conflict or confrontation today remember mars is in the sign of gemini and it's a sign of the mind than thinking. And um, there's a lot of potential here with the moon in Pisces, a sign ruled by Neptune, to get sort of scattered or lose focus in uh, what you're talking about, or in what you were doing. It's sort of distraction day, right? (laughs) I keep thinking about, you know, like, every time I go to open up a new tab in my browser I end up on a news screen so I see all these top news stories and it, it it's like a drug I swear that just you see that and you're like oh oh what's that about So you click on that story and when you're done reading that story, you go back and you're like, well, what was I doing? Why did I open up this new window? Where was I going? So I feel like Mars and Gemini is kind of participating in that and and kind of giving me that feeling. But now we also have the square of the moon to Mars and that can jumble up not only our thinking process, but also now our emotions. So there's a part of the day today where we might feel a little jumbled and that Mars square is followed by a conjunction of the moon to Neptune. So it might be one of those daft days, right, where you start to say something and you lose your train of thought. You are meaning to go somewhere and get some piece of information and you go to and you see something else and you end up, you know, on a whole nother topic. So today we might have to try a little bit harder to stay focused on what it is that we're talking about and also to stay focused on what it is that we are doing. Remember, the choice is always yours, right? We we are choosing. We have these things that are happening that might create a pathway to to some distractions, Um, but it's our choice to follow the distractions or to not follow the distractions, right? So You can't be really irked at the universe for, you know, putting out the distractions because it's your choice to follow that or to involve yourself in it. But know that the potential is there and yay, whatever, right? We just go through it and we go, oh yeah, I was trying to look up what Venus opposing Chiron is all about. And now I go there instead, right? Do what I intended to do. So that's today. And then tomorrow, Saturday, The moon is still in Pisces, but in the void, which means we're getting ready to change signs. There's no new aspects between the moon and any other planets. And of course, we know we're headed into that full moon. So we know the full moon is going to be in Aries. So we know that Piscean energy is going to give way to Aries energy. The void will happen at least west coast from 4.11 a.m. until 8.57 a.m. So about a four and a half hour void pretty much not doing much that time of the day anyway. So I'm not too worried about this void. For those of you on the East coast of the U S though, that is seven in the seven 11 in the morning <laughs> to 11 57. So your earlier morning and later morning being impacted by the void of course, moon, and then the void breaks when the moon moves into Aries at 8.57 a.m. or right thereabouts, uh, West Coast time, again, 11.57 East Coast time. Now, the moon in Aries is, you know, we have a very emotional, uh, inward-facing planet or, you know, body, the moon, moving into a sign that's very bold and very uh, assertive and outgoing, right? That moon in Aries is uh, kind of almost like emotional dynamite, right? We can have these confrontations, whether it's internal or external confrontations. It's got this boldness about it. It's it's stepping forward in some very pow- powerful ways. It is catalyzed energy, meaning Mars is the ruler here. So we're moving forward somehow, even though uh, this might be kind of a confusing time as to you know, what what. Am I actually stepping forward to it might be like I'm moving, you know, that that uh, tarot card of the fool in the rider weight deck where we have the the youngster with a knapsack and the little dog barking at his feet and he's walking toward a cliff. It always reminds me of that sort of what are we getting ready to step into, right? We might not know and it might be very clouded to us. So be aware of that. Now the day, as far as the planets that the moon will come into contact with, the first planet it comes in contact with is Pluto and in a sextile to Pluto. So a positive relationship. Now also on that Saturday morning, Pluto turns direct. So we have a new direction for the planet of change and transformation and that transit of going through the underworld, confronting our shadows, confronting the dark, if you will, the places we don't see clearly, fear maybe or limitations or blocks at the same time that we have the moon moving into, in fact, if they're like 20 minutes apart. I think it's eight. In fact, I know what time it is exactly. It is 8.30 a.m. that Pluto changes to direct motion. That again is West Coast time. And then at 8.57, the moon moves into the sign of Aries. So we have this, this very transformative energy prompting us even to maybe take a look at some of the darker places, maybe the places that have been tripping us up where we haven't wanted to take steps forward. You know, now that these outer planets are starting to change direction, it's really starting to help the collective move forward where we've been enmeshed and and mired in the mud, if you will, over the summer. These energies changing now start to move the action outward and we start to see change in the outer world. And Aries change is all about new initiation into the new and Pluto still in Capricorn initiating us into new structures, new, new forms of sustainability and moving us to change those kinds of structures and forms to support the new in a more sustainable way. And that can spell conservatism, conserving, not conservatism as a political movement, but conserving, right. And taking care of things, being a good steward of our resources, including our own personal resources. So we get maybe new steps in a direction that creates more sustainability and more good stewardship. Or on the other hand, we might see places where we have not been good stewards of our resources. And now we're paying the price for that. So that's coming up. Then we have an opposition to Mercury. And by the way, Mercury is sitting uh, at in at the very last degrees of, um, the sign of Virgo on Monday, he moves back into Libra. Remember he's no longer retrograde cat. (laughs) He's no longer retrograde. So he's moving forward as well. And he's spending his last day or so, uh, in the sign of Virgo right around the area where he went retrograde in the, in where he entered his retrograde cycle. So we may also be seeing some things drawing us back to the past, right? Some things that we've already experienced coming up over the weekend as a way of maybe, you know, solidifying that new direction, that new way of thinking, that new way of being, our our behaviors, et cetera. And that opposition then uh, to the moon is something that is drawing us to, to really I guess, you know, we've tried on some new energies, right? We, it's like trying on a new outfit, right? And we, we tried it on, but then we took it off when we hung it back up in the closet, but now we're going to have to wear it, right? So we're going to be wearing this new energy, whatever it is that you learned during this period of time, whatever it was in your mind that was being changed or, you know, driven to, to move ahead in some way. And then on Monday, as he moves into Libra, we, it's, it begins to impact our relationships, both with ourselves, but also our family, our friends and our colleagues and how we interact with the world. So it's kind of a big thing going on in the in, in between spaces of the full moon and the moon changing signs and all of that planets changing directions. And then we'll also uh, later in the day have the conjunction of the Moon to Air to Jupiter, that is now at about two degrees, one degree fifty nine minutes, two degrees of Aries. Remember, he's retrograde. He is going to be changing signs next week. Uh, is it next week? He's retrograding backward into the sign of Pisces briefly, and then moving forward again into. Uh, Aries after he changes direction. So we have a lot of, it feels like little um, like fits and starts, right? Like we're, we're foot on the gas, but then we have to slam on the brakes and then we're foot on the gas and then we have to slam on the brakes. So some of that energy can be frustrating for people. And then you put this full moon in, in the mix and it can really like shine a light on things that we need to let go of uh, things that we need to move away from. Um, things that we thought we didn't want or that we weren't ready for that are suddenly right here and back in our faces, right? that we have to take advantage of or lose our momentum. So it is a very interesting weekend, I would say, energetically, that we are moving into. And then, of course, Sunday, uh, moon in Aries is full at four fifty five pm East Coast time. 1:55 PM Pacific time. So it's an afternoon full moon. We really won't be able to see it. Um, but that evening, certainly that moon is going to look huge and beautiful. And of course it is an Aries full moon. So let's start to look at the full moon itself. First of all, does anybody have questions? If so, go ahead and write those down in here, in the, or in the chat for me. Good morning, Debbie Tibbetts, Tumiel. I hope you are feeling much better now. Uh, treat yourself. Good morning Tamisha Wilkinson. Good morning, Suzanne Fulmer. Good to see you twice in a month. I love it. And uh, uh, Kathleen, I think I said hello to you, but I'm not sure. Tom, sextiles are 60 degrees. Natasha uh, says, boy, I pray the young ones in school uh, and all move through these energies with grace and ease. You know, it is a sign of youth, right? Uh, Aries. So I think it favors the youth, right? They're the ones, you know, they all on their own take change in stride. It's more the adults that kick and scream. I mean, you know, that childlike energy is enthusiasm, is sort of courage. uh, It's the ability to move forward. You know, they don't have as much experience in life. Uh, that you know from change creating havoc right so some children do of course but you know most children they're they they do not have enough of a history in to to remember the times where when something changed it was drastic and it was terrible and it created havoc they don't have that so they kind of go into it innocently and with you know eyes wide open and in kind of embracing change and embracing that boldness where we're the ones as adults that are a little bit more kicking and screaming and no, 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 I'm not going in that direction. You can't make me. Um, So I feel like the kids will, you know, probably have a lot of high energy, Natasha, and be raring to go. But I don't know that it for them that it creates as much conflict or havoc as it might for some of us older folks who like to, you know, stay in our comfort zones, get stuck. Uh good morning to Misha. She says, I'm from Jamaica. We don't have Thanksgiving here. <gasps> well, every day's Thanksgiving in Jamaica. The birth of Venus Tarot, good morning to you as well. Uh, so uh, it's always interesting to me, like that countries, you know, I, you know, it, it's very limited viewpoint that, you know, we experience Thanksgiving the fourth Friday or the last Thursday, excuse me, of the of November. Didn't everybody experience Thanksgiving on that day? I mean, when I was younger, I thought everybody had Thanksgiving on that last day or last Thursday of November. So it's always amazing to me when I hear about, no, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving or Tom, we have Thanksgiving in Canada in October. It makes sense to have it in October actually, because it's the harvest moon, this moon full moon coming today or tomorrow or Sunday is the harvest moon. And so we're celebrating the, the hall, if you will, of the harvest. And the fullness of all of the promise of spring that comes into being, at least in the northern hemisphere for us this time of year. So it makes sense to have, you know, Thanksgiving for us this time of the year. So, but I think Thanksgiving is a day that we could celebrate all the time at any time. So let's take a look at the light, if you will, the highest expression of Aries energy for this full moon. It is go-getter energy. It is boldness, right? That we're willing to step forward and take the bull by the horns, if you will, and take action and, um, without fear, right? We might have inner fear. We might feel a little bit of that, you know, resistance to, to moving forward, but we take it in stride and we go, we take it, uh, we assert ourselves. So assertive energy, it's also passionate energy. This is a fire sign moon. And that means our passions are triggered, right? What we love comes to the surface. And that is, you know, passion in the positive here, right? Where we are really aligned with what we love. It is activist energy, right? Uh, I got a a note from uh, someone that is near and dear to our hearts here this morning about taking action uh, on a petition uh, for women in Iran. And I hadn't seen anything like that. I hadn't hardly even heard about what was going on. So it was an eye opening experience, activism, a part of Aries energy, right? And how it is that we can take a stand, even though we're not in Iran. And I I guess probably nobody out there really listening to me is from Iran. Uh, But if you are then, you know, there's always the things that we can do no matter what country we're in to take steps to help where we can. And so activism, right? Triggered for a new, this full moon, but also just in the sign of Aries. Aries, it's also warrior energy, spiritual warrior energy, but also the physical dynamics of warriorism and not necessarily the negative of war so much, but we could be spiritual warriors, right? We could be warriors for good. We could be warriors for peace. So there's that. It's bold energy. So we're always going to take steps forward and it's action energy. So we lead by action and it's very powerful that way. But we also have to look at the more negative, the downside when we're operating in the lower consciousness levels of Aries energy, it could become very selfish energy and uncaring right? I, you know, I see your plight and uh, it's not my circus, not my monkey. So I'm not going to do anything about it. So we have to walk that fine line between caring and uh, not caring, (laughs) Uh, caring, but knowing when there is something you can do about it and when there's something you can't do about it. So there's that. This is competitive energy as well. Interesting, my grandchildren are, let's see, tomorrow, late afternoon. So the moon will be in Aries already uh, with their football game. So I expect to see, you know, competition on the field tomorrow. Um, But I'm talking negative competition where everything becomes a competitive um, exercise. You know, we might be competing with each other to see who has the the most toys, uh, who has, you know, the bigger voice all of these kinds of things can take be taken to the nth degree. It's opportunistic energy. Now, I happen to think that, you know, opportunistic has positive. So I, I don't want those of you out there who are opportunistic in your profile of your human design, right? You that have the fours that are part of your profile so the four sixes or the four ones or uh the uh people that have that you know line for positively embraced in their human design because it's called the line of the opportunist and that the opportunist energy in human design just means that you get your opportunities from the people that you know from the networks of people. So relationships are highly important to you. But in this respect, where we're talking about opportunism, we're talking about people that take advantage of other people, right? So the people who, for instance, in the devastation of Hurricane Ian in Florida, hike up the prices or you know start to run scams, that's opportunism, right? That's in the negative expression. So watch out for opportunism, uh, and you know, I don't know if you guys are as frustrated as me about things, but every time I turn around, it seems like we're being nickel and dined to death. This is totally not astrological, even though it is. I'm sure. Um, I I got my bill the other day for our cable, and cable and internet, right? So I run high internet, high speed internet because I do a lot of broadcasting, and. I usually will sign up for bundled pricing, which means that I'm the same price for a full year. So I don't like price changes, right? That's a change I do not like. Yet the other day I got my bill and I just signed a new contract with them in March. So I shouldn't have to worry about price changes until we get to next March. And my rates went up and ran up by like $11 in one month and I was fit to be tied. So I'm calling the cable company. And then not only that, I end up, I now realize that they're not use their call center is no longer in the USA, right? It's in some foreign country, because I have this foreigner on the line that I can hardly understand. And You can tell that they've been trained in platitudes, right? They're just, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way or blah, blah, blah. Let me see if I can help you and blah, blah, blah. Let me explain to you why your rates have gone up. And I'm like, there is no explanation. My rates should not have gone up. You guys are just, you know, it's like everybody is playing into this whole inflation game going on and they're just arbitrarily raising prices. So I made her take my prices all the way back. And she goes, well, the government also raised their, their rates. And I said, you know, the only way the government raises rates on things like this is through taxes. And if my rates don't increase, my taxes don't increase. So you can't even tell me that one. So you have to watch these opportunistic companies. They're taking advantage of the circumstances in the world and they start to add on. I bought my husband's tabs for his car, right? The registration for your vehicles his expires this month. So I went in this morning to purchase them. I was nickel and dimed all the way along. And it was ridiculous. $30 tabs. That's what they're supposed to be in this state. There was $25 for the weight of the vehicle, 10 extra dollars for vehicle weight. He drives a Cobalt. It's not that big of a car, right? It's a little car. What the heck? And then $8 fee for this, a $3.50 fee for that. So by the time I was done, his $30 tabs were $108. And then I went to pay for it with my debit card and I got charged $3 and 25 cents to use my debit card. Are you kidding me? How does it cost $3 and 25 cents for you to use my debit card? It's ridiculous. Same thing's happening in gas stations, right? You have now a cash or a credit price. It literally, I know because I'm a business person, it literally does not cost me $3 and 25 cents to use for you as a client of mine to use your debit card. It just doesn't. So they're gouging, they're gouging, they're gouging. And it is so, so, so upsetting. So we have this opportunism, right? That's already out there. And this weekend, if the negative side of this might be where all of those things that have been being, um, have been used as opportunities against us are coming up. Right. So watch for that. Watch for aggressiveness and violent behaviors. That's also something, right. People kind of have their, they're on edge and being rude, right. There's no reason to be rude. I had to pull myself up short because I started to be rude to this poor woman on the phone. This isn't her fault, right. She's just a representative of the company. And I went, look, breathe. So breathe (laughs) this weekend, breathe. Right. (laughs) So that gives us the setup, right? For this Aries energy, the positive of the Aries energy and the negative of this Aries energy. Now let's break it down a little further and look deeper. What is going on behind it all? What's going on through the human design gate that it's at? What's going on through the Pleiadian earth energy that it's sitting at? And I'm also going to take a look at the Sabian symbol that it sits at for us. So here we have it, human design. Mm, This is a big tell the earth and the moon are in a conjunction at the full moon, right? So wherever the earth is sitting in your human design uh, at a full moon, that is where the moon will also be because the sun and moon are in an opposition and always the sun and earth are in an opposition. Okay. So that's just the mechanics. The moon and earth will be at the gate 51. The gate 51 is called the gate of shock or the gate of initiation. So we have this sense of unexpectedness with this full moon of the unexpected, unpleasant unexpectedness, perhaps even because it has a shocking value to it. So places where we've been stuck or people, people where you've been stuck in your own life or where we've been stuck as a society or as a culture, often they'll, there will come along things that are shocking In order to move us to the opposite gate, by the way, which is where Jupiter is sitting at the gate 25, which is our higher self, right? Where we see our higher purpose, where we entertain this whole divinity within the humanity, right? So shock in and of itself, while not pleasant, has a purpose. And the purpose in this full moon sitting at the gate of shock would be to cause us to move toward faith, right? But the shock itself may cause us to lose faith, right? Lose faith in ourselves, our fellow human beings, our our earth, uh, our universe, our purpose for being here, all kinds of things. So the key here in this energy is to use those stories, right? Those stories of shock and awe and the experiences that you have of waking up, being waken up, shocked into waking up as experiences to share with others that initiate them into um, coming more into alignment with their higher self and their higher purpose. And it's a really interesting gate because shock has a purpose. And that purpose is, like I said, to awaken, right? It has a very Uranus feel to it. So while Uranus isn't necessarily engaged with the full moon exact, It is there for us in the unexpected nature of the shock of gate 51. So we might, and it has sometimes shock is good, right? Sometimes when you win the lottery or something good happens that you didn't expect, that is shock as well, right? So we have shock, Ah! but the shadow of this energy is that shock causes us to lose connection to our purpose to our true purpose or to our power, that's where shock isn't going to help you at all, right? It's shocking, it's debilitating. So if we look at experiences, even if we are shocked by something as a way to achieve the next level, right, as a wake up call to move us to the next level, then it's a different experience than if we feel shocked by what we're experiencing and we allow it to take us down a rabbit hole. So shock and initiation, two of the two words, I I think that kind of take us into a different feel, right? Shock feels more negative while initiation feels more positive. Like maybe I'm going somewhere with this shock or with this unexpectedness. And don't forget that Jupiter, is she, he, hold on, I'm checking, 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 checking. Uh, this is not September any longer. This is October. Hmm. So yeah, Venus or excuse me, Jupiter is sitting at 25 and 25 is one of the gates of love. It's the love of spirit. So when you see a, a love, a, a love gate sitting opposite of a gate that is like shock, right? You you know that the purpose is for us to realign ourselves with our higher self Then when you look at the Pleiadian earth energy of the full moon, it's at eight catalyzing eight being the universal day, right? The number that the day resonates to. And the number eight is about connection. And I love this number when, when we, when it comes up in any one of the days, it is all about connection. So when, you know, the eight is on its side, it becomes the infinity symbol and it's the heart to heart connection that you and I have right? Heart to heart from me to the other person. So it's relational, right? Relationship oriented when it's upright as the eight itself is upright. It is the connection that we have from our higher self to our human self. So our divine self and our spirit or physical self. So the connection being always at the heart, right? The heart and the interface, right? Is the heart. And so it's embodying our divinity and it is that idea of, of uh, in lakesh, which is I am, I recognize the you in me, right? That we are reflections of one another, or we are all reflections of a different fractal part of the divine or of source or God, whatever you want to call it. So it reminds us that we are all interconnected, even if you know, we're irritated with one another, or even if we're having a problem, we are all interconnected. And it reminds us to stay in that heart to heart connection. But there are challenges that come up because the day energy is catalyzing. Catalyzing energy in the Mayan calendar was Kauaiyak, which was the storm, right? It had a very uh, stormy, thunder, lightning kind of feel to it, right? That That shock of lightning, you know, breaking open the sky and the thunderclap that follows it, right? That, you know, kind of jolts us. So we even call thunderbolts sometimes, you know, jolts of lightning or bolts of lightning. So we have this challenging energy in the air for the full moon. We have drama, perhaps we have difficulties perhaps that we are going to work through, but the energy of catalyzing forces us to change. We've heard this already. Aries energy, right? Aries energy is about movement, forward movement. Mars, a part of the Aries experience because he rules it, catalyzing, change, catalyzing. So we're being forced almost to move, to change, to get out of our comfort zone, to stop just staying still, right? So what we need to do is to pay attention to how we do what we do and how it affects those around us and the what we do as it affects us. And I'm I'm getting very much, becoming very much aware of choices, right? That we're all always making choices in every moment, in every day. As I sit here speaking to you, I am making a choice of what words I'm going to use, right? Even if you think you're not choosing something, you're still choosing, right? There's always choice and consequence. That's That's what this world is all about. That's what free will is all about. Choice that leads to consequence, right? So pay attention to what it is that you're doing and how it is you're saying what you're saying because the choices have magnified consequences, perhaps on a day like eight catalyzing. So the full moon, eight catalyzing, the earth moon at shock with the sun, by the way, at the fifty-seven which prompts us to really listen to our intuition, the full moon in Aries. So we can see we've got this potential, very high energy day, and we have possibilities for things to go south very quickly or to go wrong very quickly. Um, So the only way that we can handle that, so like like I can't control what the world is going to look like. I can't control the other people around me. I can only control my response to what it is that's happening? So same thing for you, right? Breathe before you respond. Don't react. Respond, right? Watch your reactions. Um, now, when we look at the Sabian symbol, I I had trouble squaring the Sabian symbol with the high energy of this Aries time, right? Of the Moon in Aries. The Sabian symbol I actually was going to read it to you is about inward withdrawal. It's about moving inward and loosening emotional blockages. Now, is that we are loosening our own emotional blockages or is it that shock and awe or the uh, upsets from the outer world are loosening emotional blockages? And then it becomes all about how do we uh, work through those blockages or how do we work through those emotions? Uh, And it can be that. Um, Or is it about addressing our, I put being an old fuddy-duddy, right? Because the symbol itself says this. It is two dignified spinsters sitting in silence. This is also from the uh, Dane Rudyard, an astrological mandala, and you can also look up Sabian symbols on the uh, on a website uh, called the Sabian Symbols, I believe, and you can get some information there as well. The keynote of this degree of the zodiac is the ability to transform a natural lack of potency into poise and inner serenity. And if you read through this, it says here we have a symbol which contrasts with the preceding symbol. And the preceding symbol was about nature spirits seen at work in the light of sunset, right? So sort of a magical, whimsical nature. And this one being in our culture, the spinster represents the woman who has been unable to meet or accept the vitalizing power of love and organic fulfillment through biological polarization, Yet the symbol depicts two spinsters emphasizing that refusing the natural expression of bipolar love has produced a kind, a special kind of dualism of experience. The two women are silent because this dualism has a narcissistic character. Life is turned inward, seeing itself in a self-created mirroring. We have here the result of a negative inward approach to potency. The ascetic or saint also turns inward but he accepts a higher non-biological type of polarization, man and God, the eight, right? The eight, the God or spirit or source or higher self and embodied in the human. I don't know what that is out there. Um, the, so just as the activity of nature has a compulsive nature, so the resistance of the spinster to biological fulfillment is also compulsive. So what we have is uh, the value of dignified inward withdrawal, breaking all of that down. It is about not pulling away from change, not pulling away from living out loud, living in fear, but to recognize it, embrace it and use it as the fuel to, to change your world, to change your life, right. To become the embodiment of change. But sometimes that change begins with that inner uh, quiet space, right. Where we can contemplate what it is that we need to do next. Right. So that space, I equate that to when I tell you, you know, the space between reaction and response is a breath, right. Taking a moment to breathe. and then taking action, right? So there we have that. Uh, I knew you were going to play with that one. (laughs) Bipolar love. Dr. Jekyll loves Mr. Hyde. (laughs) When you look up Sabian symbols, make sure you don't type Sabian symbols. Spelling counts, right? You have to do symbols with an S. Tom, Tom, you crack me up. Um, Janet, regarding choice, you took the words right. Tom, right. W-R-I-G-H-T out of my mouth. I realized all that some time ago too, most recently at a deeper level. Uh, yeah. And it, it is pretty amazing when we, when we really think about, when you break this down in our life, right? That everything comes down to choice and consequence. All, everything, everything comes down to choice and consequence. And this is where we get the concept of karma. Only in karma, we want to, you know, it, in taking responsibility and karma, sometimes it's that it it has this negative connotation um, because we also have to become responsible for response, able um, for all of our choices, right? For the, the, the reactions, the responses that we get from the outer world to the things that we've said or that we've done. But choice is the thing, right? We come to this planet for this reason, You are an embodiment of source or God or spirit experiencing free will. Choice is part of free will. And in that, then we also have to accept the consequences of those actions. But here's the thing. You're always free to choose again. So yeah, of course, I'm going to give you a perfect example of a stupid choice. My husband fell. Remember, I told you about that and he hurt his ribs. Well, it was getting better. And then dancing on a Sunday at the wedding, he decides he's going to do the electric slide and he goes whoosh, sliding on his belly across a cement floor. Consequence, I'm now in pain. I now have had to go to urgent care to make sure I didn't break my rib. And I'm suffering every night because I can't go to sleep because I made a choice to ignore my body. And do what seemed like a good idea at the time, but now I'm paying the consequences, right? So choice and consequence, choice and consequence, but we're always free to choose again, right? So keeping that in mind, then even when something shocking happens in our world or something shocking happens in our personal lives, we always can choose what we're going to do or how we're going to respond or if we're going to respond or whether or not we respond is also up to us. Right, Somebody can call you all kinds of names and what you might want to do is clobber them one, but your choice might be to just go, walk away, right? Just walk away, right? You don't have to engage. So choice, always the thing here. So the Sabian symbol kind of telling us that we have choices to make, that sometimes just taking that moment, that pause or moving inward before we make that big change is um, helpful But also that if we get stuck inwardly, that if we're using that as an escape hatch, if we're using it as a reason to not engage that it then becomes a negative rather than a positive questions about any of that. Natasha says, "Thank you all as that is why I'm staying in schools to support teachers and students with love and understanding for the bigger picture of life's journey. I love that Tom says we are all woman, womb, one woman of Iran. We are literally all one indeed. um, so it's we are all one, right? If there's one person that is suffering from you know being kept down or repressed, then in some ways we are all repressed, right? Because that's a part of what we're feeling. I'm not saying that we need to be responsible for it. I'm not saying that we need to jump out there and change everything in Iran. But what we can do, what we can do is look at inside of us, each as individuals, where am I repressing myself? Where have I worked to repress others? I mean, it's a possibility, right? Maybe I'm trying to hold everybody in place and not letting them be who they naturally want to be. I don't know. I don't know unless I take a look in, right? I don't know unless I take that look in and see where um, it's a part of me that's in. It wouldn't be in our world if we didn't resonate with it in some way. It doesn't show up on our screens unless there's some resonance within us. And if we can do something, then it is incumbent upon us to do something uh tom cash is king say no to digital money and digi id right i could have chosen instead of buying that online to go down to the local licensing bureau and get those tabs for him in person but that's more inconvenient since i have clients all day right so i just did it um so anyway again choice and consequence (laughs) it's all about choice and consequences and okay cable bill looks like this and i've been meaning to call what a conversation it is you know and that there, there are these it's just piling up on us i think that people are taking advantage of and um you know i find it very hard to believe that i, I don't know it, it might just be me i don't know i just find it hard to believe that the reason for Uh, inflation based on what we hear are is about the war in between Russia and Ukraine. That's hard to believe sitting here in America on oil reserves that would, you know, um, keep us going for the next 10 to 20 years. So I don't know. I just don't know. But I know that it's out in my world. So I get to choose how I'm going to respond to it. So yeah. Now, I can't believe I got through all that this morning. Oh, I did want to talk about a little bit about Pluto Direct. Maybe I did. Somebody tell me, what would you like me to do? Card readings uh, for the weekend? Or do you want me to talk about Pluto Direct? Somebody jump in and uh, put a comment there very quickly. But in the meantime, I'm going to get cards out because I still want to draw a card. And I'll tell you what, I want to draw a card from the Halloween Oracle. (laughs) Oh, I also have the Pleiadian wisdom cards. We haven't played with them in a while. So right now I am going to draw a card because I want to for the weekend. Cards, Catherine Worcester says. Let's do. This is the deck called the Halloween Oracle by Stacey DeMarco. Look at that lovely sugar skull there. I love it. I love it. I love it. So let's get a card. And uh, I still have some time. So uh, th- Catherine, I'm going to do a card reading for you. Tell me what deck you might want. Uh JLo wants to talk about Pluto. I could still talk about Pluto. Uh, Pluto, master of the underworld, right? Taking, oh God. No. Spider, community and web weaving. All right. So you guys, you know, I've told you my spider stories, right? The other morning i get up and i'm half asleep use the restroom what do you do after you use the restroom you wash your hands right i go to my sink and what's in my freaking sink a big ass spider i scream my husband jumps What? Are, what's going on there's a spider in my sink he has to save me once again from a spider in my sink and then i go to get in the shower and there's one in my shower i'm being inundated by spiders. So let's see. And then of course I draw the spider card. Let's go up. What's going on with spider? Let's see here. It says community and web weaving. And she spins her silk alone in the dark with hope of collection, sticky with dreams, weaving the world's a wide web of connection. Masses of sticky spider webs make any Halloween decorations complete. The idea of a haunted house covered in the artwork of a big hairy spider is a classic horror. Even those of us who appreciate our eight-legged friends still hurriedly brush off those stealthy webs if we run into them in the dark. That's the other thing that happened. I was watering my plants. And this time of year, we get these big orb weaver spiders. They're really beautiful to look at, but scary as you know what, when they jump out at you because you're watering a plant. That happened day before yesterday. Uh, Even those of us who appreciate our eight-legged friends still hurriedly brush off those stealthy webs if we run into them in the dark. Although most spiders are not venomous, humans have an innate fear of them. Perhaps it's the fangs or the poison. Perhaps it's all those legs and the way they move. Perhaps it's where they live, often in dark hidden places, or the way our Western popular culture has demonized them by making them giant, fierce, and (laughs) man-eating. Some cultures, though, revere the spider in very positive ways. In many Native American cultures, for example, the spider is the creature that gives birth to all other animals and sustains the web of life. The goddess spider grandmother, and there is also a spider woman, is a key deity that brings wisdom, safety, and communication to all the tribes. She created and wove all the stars in the sky and makes soft webs for those that are troubled to rest upon and be supported by. Spider's webs can be seen as a symbol of connection, Mm, that's important right now, Uh, not necessarily entrapment. There is a fine line sometimes between a family or community supporting us and controlling us. This card looks at this discernment. It also suggests you review the way you communicate with the wider community at work or generally with others and take steps to improve this Mm, or do it slightly differently. It also indicates that there needs to be a balance between what you do for yourself and what you do for others. If we give too much to the outside, our strength diminishes and we cannot weave the supporting web for ourselves. Spider, spider. That's a beautiful spider. All right. So let's see here. Uh, Londa says one came down from the ceiling onto my bed. Right. I swear it's innate. It is something that is just scary innately. Even though like, I don't kill them, I would never kill a spider. I would capture and release uh, let's see here. Hi, Taylor Jenkins. And Catherine says, "We, me, how did I get so lucky? Okay, animal deck would be great. All right, so let's get you an animal card, my friend, and see what wisdom you need to hear from the animal world. Uh, okay, Catherine, be thinking about what it, wisdom, what guidance you need. Mm. I get mouse spirit. I need to hear this apparently, too, because remember, I had the mouse on my bed uh, that my cat brought in. Mouse spirit says, tend to the small things. It's card number 40, which kind of has a, you know, framework kind of feel to it, right? Needing the foundation and the details might get missed in the setting up of a foundation. And let's see what it says. And she was upside down when I pulled her, Catherine. So that is in protection. We call it protection so let's see what this says. Um, Are you too caught up in details, micromanaging others and stressing out because you want everything to be perfect? Are you procrastinating because you want every detail to be just right and losing track of time and your priorities? Mouse spirit wants you to listen to your intuition that tells you that the detail you fear you are overlooking will only appear when you stop obsessing. Mouse spirit will lead you to the nuances you need to notice and will diligently work to support you if you take a breath and trust that guidance will be provided. Small gestures carry great power right now, and maybe you need to take action toward discovering what is going on that you may not be seeing or toward mending a relationship or a situation. Ask a question, do a little research, and listen for mouse spirit's quiet little squeak telling you look here and attend to this detail. So mouse spirit is for you. All right. I love that. Kathleen, thank you for the reminder. If you are watching this video today and enjoying the content, please hit the thumbs up button. And if you are on YouTube, you can also hit the subscribe. I am so close to 1000 subscribers. I can almost taste it, feel it, touch it. Uh, and also the bell uh, on YouTube will allow you to get notified when I come on live. Uh, okay, who else would like a reading? Tom wants one for Ainsley. What deck would you like, Tom? Do you want an animal card for her or uh, Pleiadian? I I got Pleiadian wisdom here, so I'm thinking that one. And you're welcome, Catherine. Um, Tom, 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 what card? I'm going to pull Pleiadian. But if you want a different one, let me know. I can do that privately for you later. All right. So for Ainsley, ooh, evolution and gratitude. I love this card. Look at this beautiful artwork. At the bottom, it says, be grateful for what you have rather than wishing for something else. And up at the top, it says gratitude. Evolution is gratitude. And look at the number eight, eight, eight connection, relationship and all of that. So let's find evolution here in this, in the beginning, it's in the end, evolution, card number eight. Okay. So it says, retrain your mind that has been programmed to categorize everything into polarities of good or bad or abundance or lack. Reprogramming your mind to recognize everything simply as an experience without judging it, encourages you to feel more trust in the universe and to feel more gratitude for what you already have. As you begin to think about categorizing everything you will find, you are more in harmony and unity, and you will realize what it means to be grateful for everything at a conscious soul level. Every experience you have intended for your learning and evolution, or every experience you have is intended uh, for your learning and evolution. Simply experiencing everything without judgment allows more gratitude and a higher vibratory response to life. Being thankful is a key to enjoying life more fully and happily. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but the realization of how much you already have. Be grateful. Advanced use, universal energy eight, connection and abundance. Practicing gratitude eliminates the temptation to be jealous of what others have and creates space for more unity and feelings of connection with everyone so hopefully that has meaning for her tom and for you ainsley if you're listening and uh it is the M- Midas first nation symbol too i don't know what that means and michelle gay good would like a halloween card i think that would be a good choice my friend and what time do i have that's not too bad let's see what michelle be focusing on what you want to know michelle hi annie ortiz uh skull of light skull of light that's pretty great skull of light and underneath it it says illumination can you see that illumination and skull of light it's gonna be back here all right are you ready michelle We can stay in the dark, exist only in the midnight hours, but shining the torch, the victory is ours. As the famous psychotherapist Jung suggested, knowing our own darknesses helps us to cope with the darknesses of others. Taking the time to know thyself, one of my favorite sayings, and to seek understanding of our more destructive or shadow natures can lead to huge happiness and less anxiety. The idea of being shown the way is the mo- in the most difficult of times and always knowing that we are never alone in the darkness are the keys to this magical element. Light is usually a comforting thing, yet sometimes we do not really want to see the boogeyman under the bed. It is too scary, too big, and we know not how to defeat it. Yet by simply shining the torch upon such darkness, the victory is ours. Should the skull of light enter your life, Know that it is time to open yourself fully to the clarity of bright illumination. Allow yourself to be seen to the clarity, or I mean, allow yourself to be seen to see and to act upon what is shown to you. The time is past for hiding, for pretending, and for swallowing our discomfort by accepting the status quo when it really doesn't suit us. Skull of light. That's for you, Michelle. Skull of light. All right. Uh, she's listening. All right. Awesome. And let's see, did I miss somebody? One more person who might want a card. Um, Spider's the sign of the teacher. Thanks, Londa. And Taylor, we are in. Londa wanted to hear about Pluto. So I got to go. So I will do something quick on Pluto. Pluto changing directions, right? The outer world now begins to be the playground for Pluto's transformational energy. For the last few months, all of that transformational energy was on the inner planes, right? We weren't necessarily seeing a lot of, you know, big potential changes for ourselves, or seeing the grand shadow outside of us, we had to greet the shadows within us, our fears, our limitations, right? The places where we self sabotage. And now, with It has a very 12th house feel to it, right? When Pluto goes inward and now Pluto going outward, maybe we can take the lessons, everything that we learned by confronting our inner demons, confronting the inner places that we were afraid of changing. And now we will see those out in the outer world, the opportunities for us to demonstrate our strength and our wisdom in the outer world. So Pluto being the ferryman, right, or the underworld, the Lord of the underworld, giving us access uh, earlier in the summer through to our inner fears, our inner demons. Now, hopefully you've dealt with them. And now we can, with his help, build a new foundation, become a new strength in that outer world Uh, doing what's best for ourselves, understanding that when we're living our passion and when we're doing what we love, when we're building our foundation, that it really isn't that we're taking things away from other people. We're really helping ourselves and in a way that allows others to help themselves. So Pluto, very important here, but he does rule death and destruction as well. So we may be dealing still with themes of death and themes of rebirth, regeneration, seeing the, um, the death of something or feeling like something has outlived its usefulness, right? And it is in decay and it is time then to change that, right? So we have all of that. Uh, going on when Pluto changes direction and, you know, Pluto changing directions, this is, you know, one of the last times that he will be coming out of retrograde and into uh, the sign of Capricorn as he's ready to change into Aquarius. That's a momentous change that we'll see in 2024 or 2023 briefly, and then for, you know, full on in 2024. Uh, So I think it's also a time for us to look back over the previous 14 years of his experience of our experiences uh, as a culture, as a society with him in Capricorn. Think back to all of the things, the forms, the structures that institutions that no longer exist, right because of the unsustainability of them. And our forward motion would take us into building of a new foundation that support that supports sustainability right? And will stand the test of time. Aquarian, will it stand the test of time, right? That is where Pluto moves next. Saturn's in Aquarius already tearing up the ground, getting us used to this idea of having to make something sustainable for the future. Pluto will come along and build upon that. Uh, So at this point in time, Pluto turning direct, we are really looking at the final death knells, if you will, of certain systems and structures and institutions so that they can rise like the phoenix out of the ashes and be renewed, right? So big themes for all of us uh, coming up, but because Pluto is a uh, planet that deals with the collective, it's not so much in our personal lives, but how we are a part of the bigger collective uh, energies of these big changes that are happening, so... There we go. How many years would a Pluto return actually last? Is there a way to find out the planet's timeframe? Yes, a Pluto return is usually two and a half to three years long. Now, no human ever has a Pluto return because a Pluto return would mean we'd have to live at least 248 years. So when we see a Pluto return, it's usually in a country or an institution or something like that, something that has stood the test of time but has possibly gotten old and decrepit and decayed and isn't stand, you know, like for example, here in the U S we hear a lot now about the Supreme court and is the Supreme court getting too politicized? I mean, it was never meant to be political, but it has become politicized. And uh, is that part of a decaying process, right? That is also a part of the USA Pluto return, So it's all part and parcel of things that are dying here in the USA and looking at the potential for how do we rebirth that? What does a new Supreme Court look like? Right? That kind of thing. So uh, democracy, same thing. The whole idea 200 some years ago, democracy was born, or at least the, the version of it here in the USA. And we're seeing the decay and how that got bastardized and how that got crazed by greed and narcissism and got twisted by money. And now our opportunity here as it's decaying is to look at it and rebirth it, right? So in our own personal lives, some things have also come to their natural conclusion, to their natural end. It might be our lives. If we're looking at the end of life, it might be our business. If we're looking at having, you know, things changing in our business. So it is a time when Pluto turns direct to rebirth to regenerate, to let go of the old and to move on to the new. All right, that is it for me. I will see you on Monday and have a wonderful weekend. Um, enjoy the full moon. See ya then. Thank you so much for joining me. Bye for now. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office.